Alrighty, ladies and gents, today on the Rocket Cast is going to be a really fun one. Um, so we like to bring you different types of value. Today's value is going to be in bringing you um, some up-to-date trading and investing uh, strategies with a man by the name of Chris Chang, who is doing it better than a lot of people out there. Uh, he has great experience, and most of all, he just is really good at providing um, expert guidance in making sure that you are very uh, secure in your strategies and always looking forward to what you can do better to improve upon what you've seen in the past. Uh, I think a lot of times a lot of crypto investors get really caught in what's worked and they assume that that's going to work forever or even if you are uh, investing in the stock market and that's just simply not the case. The markets are always changing, they're always adapting. And so uh, Chris is going to provide a lot of that, as well as tell us about his story about how he got into this whole thing, because he's had a really interesting journey into it. So, Chris, thank you for joining me today. Thanks. Thanks. So glad to be here. I'm happy to share what I know. Uh, I think you may have oversold it a bit, but I'll, I'll do my best to, to live up to those expectations. <laughs> <laughs> That's my job. That's my job. Nice. Um, so, Chris, uh, let's, let's get into that a little bit. So what started your investing and trading journey? Sure. Um, so it's actually a funny story because I could say ever since I could remember, maybe it was since I was in middle school or even younger, uh, my dad's been a stockbroker. He's always tried to teach me everything he knew. And I try to spend the majority of my life resisting and just saying, no, I'm, I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going to focus on my thing. I'm going to be my own person. And just a couple of years ago, I just decided, you know what? Um, this is the first time I ever tried to day trade uh, after working in the financial industry for eight years. You would think that I'd have so much knowledge I could go day trade and make a lot of money. Actually, I, I just mostly did technology projects, changing the bank, uh, dealing with regulations, new product launches, never really got into day trading. So my first foray into day trading was I jumped in in the middle of the bull market run, uh, doubled my account in, let's say, a month or two. And after that bull run kind of fizzled a bit, I tried to double it again and I ended up losing like 25%. So I'm like, obviously, I don't know anything of what I'm doing here's my dad who's been trying to teach me trading this whole time. And, and at that point, I was just going with the hype, what's in the news, et cetera, the way that most people get started. And so he, he sat me down. He's like, look, Chris, it's not just a game of guess which stock is going to go up and you're going to win big. You can get lucky like that, but you could also lose a ton of money that way. So he sat me down, showed me technical indicators. He even showed me how to trade options, which was a really interesting experience. Um, but what I learned over time was it's really not a magic technique. It's not just having the inside track because you watch Jim Cramer on CNBC. We know not to do that. <laughs> um, I but thought that was the best strategy. <laughs> inverse. Uh, I, I mean, even, even inversing him, you could lose a lot of money. So at the end of the day, it's actually knowing what your limits are, what your goal is, having a plan, and literally just getting better at um, every time you try to execute that plan, you learn something. And being able to, to think about that, what did I do wrong? What could I do better? How, what did I do well that I could double down on? That's actually the process that has really carried me from the day that I realized I knew nothing about day trading, even though I'd been in the financial industry for so long, to today where you know I could actually sit down and, and help somebody who's brand new learn how to get the basics and then also get kind of an accelerated journey into using more data-driven decision-making instead of emotional or just hunch-based. So how did your dad um, kind of enlighten you with that? You know, you said he came in and he was like, hey, here's some, some basic strategies. What were some of those types of things? Yeah, I would say that I'm, I'm not too far 
off of, or I'm not, I, I guess they say the apple doesn't fall from the tree or tip off the old block. Um, you know, he's definitely got his really deep passion for indicators. Um, he was using RSI and MACD when that didn't exist, like back in the early 90s, and he had actually plot them out by hand. Like he would hand draw the RSI, hand draw the MACD. That sounds excruciating. And at, <laughs> and at that time, that was his edge, right? But now everybody's got a hold of it. And the first thing he told me was, look, read this book by Martin Pring called Technical Analysis Explained. And then he's like, that book will tell you the textbook way to do it. And then I'm going to explain to you how the textbook way is going to get you to lose all your money because number one, Wall Street knows that the textbook way is the way that people trade. Uh, and number two, it's like that's like the basic ingredient. It's like you don't just give someone a, a bag of flour and say, go have some bread, right? You have to actually combine it in certain ways, process it, and then get a hopefully a really good outcome from that. So he showed me how to modify the way I looked at the standard like stochastic Bollinger Band mm-hmm. um, RSI words that people who are not familiar be like, well, technical analysis nerd. But even that was basic. Like it's funny that like such quote unquote, you know, techie type of or technical type of um, ingredients could be considered basic. And so he showed me how to go from basic indicators to kind of more advanced and modified. Um, and that was around the time where I'm like, you know what, like I can go down this path of just learning it myself and then never sharing it. The first thing I thought of was, well, my brother, Justin, who you know really well, yeah. uh, he's already been learning this for so long. He's, he's two years ahead of me. And so he has a lot of knowledge. And he did once tell me, hey, why don't we, um, he's like, it'd be so awesome if I could take what our dad knows and turn it into an algorithm. So I said, hey, you've been talking about that. Obviously, you've got the knowledge. I've got the tech background and, and that skill. So why don't we combine efforts and mm-hmm. you know, build a team that can build an algorithm that does exactly what our dad taught us, which is how to modify indicators to do exactly what you need them to do. Right. So when you guys decided to do that, um, what was the main goal of combining forces? Like, was it to create the best day trading strategies? Was it to just oh. make enough for you guys to feel good about it? A lot more humble. It was to stop losing money. <laughs> so <laughs> at, at first it was just, okay, we're, we're trading like a day trading options that are expiring within the week. And I'm not going to go into the detail of how options work, but let's just say that options, if, if people say that um, trading in the stock market is like the casino, I would say no, because a lot of times you're investing in a company's longevity. So if you look at it over a 10-year period, it's not really a casino. But the minute you start trading options and you don't look at anything beyond a month for how long you want to hold that position, you are definitely in a casino. (laughs) The house is against you. Time is not on your side. You're going to make emotional decisions. So it was very easy to take an advanced strategy and still lose money because we were in a very hostile environment, which is options. So part of it was we knew that even with my brother's two years experience and my like two months experience, the easiest thing to do was to let your um, your belief system get in the way. So, okay, we're going to, this stock is supposed to go up, so we're going to buy this call. And without an objective way to know that that was a bad decision, um, it was very easy to get the signs that say it's time to get out and you're still just praying for it to, to get better. So yep. we thought, okay, we know how to use these techniques, but we even stop using them the minute that we get biased. So the one way we can um, make this kind of a glaring, like a red light that says get out now or get in now before it's too late is to create an indicator. So that was the path we went on was if we can at least automate it for ourselves and it works for us, then yes, it could technically work for other people as we continue to build it out over time. Right. Um, and that's actually the the, the um, 
the origin story of TacBots. You can see it on my shirt. It's a little shark. Um, I can tell you kind of the, the little backstory behind the little shark. But um, yeah, so TacBots is the indicator that we created. Uh, it started about two years ago. And honestly, it wasn't that me, my brother, my dad's knowledge, and our two friends, uh, PJ and Luis, who are awesome guys, it wasn't just that we were smarter. It was that we took our raw materials. Every time we built something, we reached out to people and said, hey, what do you think? Does this yeah. help you? What's confusing? And every time we got some like, hey, you know what? That color doesn't make sense or this pattern, it really is sort like an eyesore. Can you guys fix that? Even those little tiny minute details, we, we actually iterated and said, okay, we're not the experts. Um, people who have traded longer than us, people who have different opinions than us, they're the experts. We gotta consolidate all this information and then distill it into the most user-friendly um, way that we could possibly come up with. Um, right. And then so what you could think of is, you know, we're, we're no different than any other indicators out there, right? Uh, that, that could be true. What we actually accidentally stumbled upon, though, as we were building this out was a way to detect when the market is being manipulated, either by um, Wall Street, by some massive algorithm, or by some market insider or a whale. Uh, we thought that was unusual, but it was actually PJ who said, hey, Chris, we just created this entry you asked us to create. Can you review it? And my first thought was, no, that's completely wrong. That's not what I, that's not what I specified, right? He's like, but you should look at it. Like it, it kind of is, it, it's compelling. Sometimes price just explodes off this level that, that we've created. I'm like, you know what? You're right. So we, instead of discarding what we thought was a mistake, it's kind of like the whole penicillin story, right? You, you thought yeah. you were going to make something, you, you make a mistake, and now it's this, this brand new miracle cure. Well, in our case, we realized that, hey, with the ability to detect where the market's being manipulated, we can now help people to, one, not get in too early, two, uh, try to trade with the manipulation, not against it, and then three, get out before it's too late. Because um, you've heard, I don't know how many people have probably told you, yeah, I got it at this price, I was up this much, then I lost it all, or I lost like most of it. That's part of the problem is how do you know when to get out? So that's kind of where um, TacBots kind of started to differentiate is we wanted to show people what they weren't seeing, you know, not just what the what the indicators were saying, not just what the talking heads or, or the Twitter feeds were saying, but what was the actual market showing you that you normally can't detect? Um, and that's why TacBots was kind of popular in the groups that we were sharing it with is it gave them that additional insight of what they weren't looking at. And the whole point of the shark is we look at the market is like this this ecosystem, right? And if you think of the market maker as a shark, right? It's just out there, it's a machine. It's really good at what it does, right? It's looking for food, it's hunting. You don't wanna be in front of it when it's hungry, but you also don't want to miss out on what it offers, right? So we thought of, okay, this little shark here is the market, good or bad or indifferent, study it, figure out what it's trying to do, right? Don't get in front of it when it's ready, ready to eat, but try to get some of those little, I guess, scraps that, I mean, when we say market makers and whales, we're talking hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars, right? So to, to, to them, we are small fish in the sea. No matter how much money you put on a trade, you're not gonna outpower them. So why not study what they're doing, trade with them, not against them, and then know when it's time to get out before the next feeding frenzy happens. I get a little flashback to the movie uh, Shark Tale. You ever <laughs> watch that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is that the, uh, the Will old Smith fish are a friend, not food? Oh, okay, yeah, you mean uh, Finding Nemo with uh, with the sharks, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're right, that is Finding Nemo. <laughs> oh, both, Shark Tale is another classic, though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I you're, got, you're I got my uh, fish animations backwards. Um, <laughs> but I think that's a good point, right, is um, is trying to 
you um it's a classic like bull uh terminology would be like don't fight the trend don't fight the trend right mm -hmm. where they'll always tell you not to go and try to short in the market um because that they don't fight the trend um which can be good advice but can also leave you holding those positions those options that you were talking about way too long Absolutely. Um, buying tops a lot of situations in which would be bad in investing strategies um, Absolutely. so how would um how would tack really prevent someone from being that guy yeah and and again no system that i've ever found and even TACBOTS itself is not perfect um what it is is it's a tool right so if you gave someone a hammer and told them how to use it if they use it on everything they may get upset and be like hey this didn't work out when i was trying to like move 700 pounds of ice right it's like okay you're not supposed to use a hammer you're supposed to use a forklift or something else for that right yeah. but also you could accidentally you know hold the nail in the wrong way and hammer your own hand right so any tool that you're given whether it's tack bots or anything else out there you have to know one how to use it properly when to use it when not to use it and also uh, the, the appropriate way to use it so you're not using it in the wrong way um, but you also need to know when the problem is in the tool it's the user right and i think trading if you look at the statistics of like 85 percent of traders fail um by by year five 90 percent are completely out of not, not not just failed but out of the market like their accounts are just dead not doing anything um and the reason for that is the reason we come into trade is usually as a day trader to make money and to make it fast what happens if five years later you're not making it fast right so the way I look at it is TACBOTS itself, um, any of those other platforms out there that you could use or any other techniques you can use, they have to be matched to one is what, what's your goal, two is what's the market actually giving you at the time, uh, and then three is how much time have you practiced a plan and executed that plan in such a way that you're like, okay, it's not the plan or my ability to follow a plan that's the issue, it is actually the tool itself. So assuming somebody has that mental fortitude, which most people don't, right? Think about, and, and you know, I know this is a fitness and, and finance podcast, so think about the first time someone comes to a gym um, and has a specific fitness goal in mind, right? Like someone saw a picture of a CrossFitter and they're like, that guy's jacked. He, so that person comes in inspired to want to like, you know, hey, I want to look like this in two months. And like, what would be your reaction to that, right? So Right, right, right. Um, yeah, people come in, they're like, hey, I've got $10,000. I want to turn this into 100000 I saw your, your percentage gains, and I, I saw that you made like three hundred. If I could just make 100% gains, uh, yeah, I'll be so rich. Right? And, and like it's unrealistic expectations that usually, uh, one, is get in the way of progress, and then two, is cause mistakes to happen. So the way I look at it is TACBOTS would be something that if somebody really truly wanted to use it, they can't use it alone. It's not one of those things that's self-explanatory or self-help. Yeah, it'll give you some signals that are self-descriptive, but it won't tell you the appropriate way to use it. So we have a Discord channel that if you were to go to, let's say, tackbots.com, enter in discount code RUDA, R-U-D-A, get 10% off. Um, what we'll do is we'll invite you in, and, and honestly, it's not that much. It's like 20 bucks a month or less. Um, we'll invite you into a Discord. You'll have you know, other people who have used it before. You can ask them what they think. Uh, you have myself, PJ, Justin, and Luis. We would always be willing to answer questions. But really, it's getting into the driver's seat and then having somebody guide you through the process that's really going to make it successful. And then over time, if you stick with it, what you'll find is, okay, TagBots helped me to get started, but I found like 15 other ways where I can do this really well. Great. Mm -hmm. Use it as a supplementary tool to what you're already doing. 
So for some people, tech bots could be a good way to start looking at how to analyze the market, how to see areas of potential, uh, we'll call uh, manipulation, or these areas where the <laughs> sharks are, are getting ready to attack. And, yeah, absolutely. and then they can start to develop their own strategies once they get more and more experience with tag bots or, or some Yeah, you're just spot on. And, and I guess without going into the secret sauce and spilling all the details, I think at a high level, um, what I've gotten wrong in the past and where I think that tag bots is now starting to help people is I used to look at just price, right? Like, is price moving up or down, right? Will it move up or down? I completely did not look at the volume. So, okay, yes, price moved, but was it a healthy move? Were there a lot of people coming in to buy if I want to go long? Were there a lot of people um, selling if I want to go short? And so volume was the first thing that we try to bake in attack bots to say most people, that's like an afterthought of like, you know, I should probably check the volume or they don't even do it at all. Um, a lot of our signals wouldn't even fire if the volume wasn't sufficient. So it's almost like a suppressor. It says you're not going to fire this long or short signal till volume comes in. Another aspect is, um, you know, as an advanced trader like yourself, like you obviously know what market structure is, but most people could not tell you what level is significant. Even if you taught them how to do it, they still would just be like confused. So what we try to do is auto paint for them the lines and say, hey, here's where manipulation started. And here's where last time it ended. Use that as a clue to say, okay, this is the box that I want to trade within. And yep. although you know anybody could draw a line on the screen and say, hey, I'm going to say that Bitcoin's going to go to forty thousand, right? Draw a line. They could wait five years and it hits that line. See, I told you, it hit the line. But <laughs> if somebody could draw the line and say, okay, it's going to hit this, and it, let's say it's not even forty thousand. Let's say from where we are today, like around twenty-two and a half let's say that they drew a line at 24 and it hit 24 within less than a week, right? And it actually rejected off that line. The fact that they could give you a number that was pretty darn accurate, but also didn't waste your time to sit and wait for that line to be reached because the time value of money is one thing. Um, how many times you get punished in your position until you hit your goal is another. Um, that's kind of what TACBOSS tries to do is like, okay, don't spend forever trying to hit these targets get in, get out, move on to the next trade. Um, that's really what it does for traders. Gotcha. So um, I think that's a, a really great explanation of not only how to use tack bots, but that's also a great explanation of how to look at uh, just trading in general short term is yeah. understanding the structure, understanding where you're going. A lot of times, and we've talked about this several times on the show uh, with different guests, is that people have different ideas and visions than their actual strategy, right? Yeah. So they might have that 40,000 goal in mind for Bitcoin, but they're trying to day trade, yep. right? Uh, or they they are the opposite. They are day trading um, already, but they're also trying to, you know, quote unquote, buy the dip um, right. instead of following and having a plan. So matching those two up, um, I have, I've been a longtime TACBOTS user now myself, I think you can you can definitely use a, a system like TACBOTS to do both. However, um, I think it's a lot simpler when you choose one direction and you stick with it. Okay, I'm going to use TACBOTS levels to help me determine if I should be in a buying environment or in a selling mm -hmm. environment. Or if I'm day trading, okay, here's some good levels for today or this week or this month that we can use to test off of. Uh, and that's just a good that's a good system to have regardless of what you're, you're, you're trading or you're looking at, whether it's Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, smaller coins. 
um, which is something that I would like to talk about next, which is sure. uh, which which cryptos do specifically you um, have a lot of experience uh, trading with? Which ones do mm-hmm. you uh, think have a bright future? Uh, and how do you navigate those waters of, all right, this coin has a lot of potential upside, but we could also get rugged on something like this. Uh, yeah. How do you go about that process? Well, there's there's two aspects to that. So um, one one thing is it's always good to be very familiar with a coin that you believe in. Um, so I know that a lot of people in the past have said I've gotten burned by like getting too into one coin or the other. But if you really look at the reason why you're into it, is it because somebody tweeted about it or some influencer said you had to and they gave you their thesis and you just bought into it? Or do you just truly believe that this is going to stick around and here's why? Um, so a good example is Bitcoin and Ethereum, right? So Bitcoin being like the store of value and Ethereum being more of like the transactional aspect of digital currency, right? So those two, I would say, are probably never going to go away. It really makes sense to um, be able to not just trade, but also to know how to best start uh, accumulating positions in something that you think is going to be around for a long time. And this is not a financial advice, and this is not specifically the entire point I'm trying to make. But I do want to point out that um, you know the dot-com bubble, the financial crisis, those types of market corrections, it would be easy for somebody who bought the majority of their portfolio at the middle to end of 2000 before the 2001 crash, at the height of the 2007 run up on like the housing bubble, and then look at their portfolio like in 2008 to 2009 at the end and say, this thing is just never going to come back to those levels, right? Right. So those two corrections were 50% each. And from the bottom of the financial crisis to the top of this most recent bull market run, that was like over 600% gains. So if your viewpoint is like, I need to make money today, tomorrow, next year, and I don't have a long-term view as to why I want to like start accumulating, start stacking, those types of setbacks will literally make you tell everybody the market sucks, don't get in it. Like you'll feel like you got dumped and you'll never want to go back, right? <clears throat> so what I would say is just look at the coins um, Bitcoin has dropped uh, tremendously, about 77% from the like 69 to 70,000 all the way down to like its lowest, which is just below 16,000. That was a 70% correction, right? So for anything to correct 70%, you could either say it's dead or you could say, hey, if I missed out, here's a lot of value that I can get back in on. Is it a time right. to put your whole life savings in? No, absolutely not. You don't, you don't do that on anything. Like if you, if you made... over a 15 year career, do you put all of it on one business and or one real estate investment, right? No, you you diversify. So if you're looking to diversify some money, uh, instead of holding cash, knowing that cash is kind of really hard to store value, and you want to put it into something, you could allocate a portion of what you're looking at into things that you truly believe in. I would say Bitcoin and Ethereum are definitely two that I would really say it's hard to see uh, cryptocurrency as a holistic ecosystem without those two yep. just because of what they mean to the people who believe in it and just what they mean to like the actual utility of it um, and then also the type of spin-offs that come from those two but then if you look a little bit further like it's a lot of times it's hard to say that just by looking at the market cap or how much um, circulation is out there and what's the value of that it's hard to say just look at the top five but that's always a safe bet for someone who's just starting out just Sort, go to like uh, coin market cap or just go to Google and say top five cryptos. You'll see Bitcoin, Ethereum, and then you'll see three others that are below it. And sometimes they flip flop. If you look at that list, those are really good ones to start with because what you've got on your side is 
even though, yes, any crypto could literally disappear after a hack or a run or whatever, it's really hard to completely destroy any crypto that has that much interest in it. So that gives you a, a sense of like a safety net that like, okay, yes, if I did wake up tomorrow and it lost half its value, it doesn't mean it's gone. It just means it's going to have to bounce back, right? Um, and then, like you said, that gives you an opportunity to start stacking at a lower price as you decide to hold long term. Now, once you have those top five that you like, I would say then try to learn, like you said, if you're, if you're a day trader or a scalper, um, try to learn how to day trade and scalp those coins, right? Because now not only do you have one that you can study and focus on and keep your, your um, site narrow, you also have the ability on a daily basis to understand how it behaves. What type of um, catalyst will cause it to pump or dump? Like, does it correlate to the to the stock market? Understanding how that coin moves, like what kind of catalyst will set it off? If it's correlated to the market, if it's inversely correlated to the dollar strength, whatever it is that you, you can start to study and understand, that gives you the edge over uh, one is just trading blindly. And then two is having a little bit of a heads up as to, hey, I'm not gonna go heavy or I'm not gonna put a lot of capital towards a trade until XYZ occurs, or because right. XYZ is occurring, I'm gonna stay out of it, right? So an example is for, for people who are day traders, they know that um, the, the FOMC, the Federal Open Market Committee, that the Federal Reserve chairs, like that meeting itself creates a lot of volatility. Some people are like, I wanna trade that. I wanna get all the alpha in both directions when that crazy heartbeat of a price pattern occurs. Other people are like, I don't wanna be in that because if I do, anytime I use any kind of leverage or any kind of risky bets, I get completely destroyed. So mm -hmm. each trader is going to be different on how they want to handle their trades. Each um, investor is going to be different on what they expect on their investment over time. But if you start with something that's a little bit more solid and then you branch out from that, those techniques that you gain from one is how to DCA or, how, or dollar cost average or how to go long with crypto such as Bitcoin or Ethereum and then how to trade it in the long and short direction, that skill set that you gain can now be applied towards other cryptos that may move a lot faster, a lot more volatile. It may disappear within the next year, but at least for now, there's a lot of value to be gained. Um, right. I'll give you a good example, <laughs> if, you, if you don't mind. Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, so um, I think probably the first time we kind of interacted and in, in, in that you probably saw one of my most ludicrous posts, right, which was a Luna Classic well, it's called Luna Classic now, but it was Luna. Like, right, it lost from a hundred dollars all the way down to like less than pennies, and to the point where it was like fractions of a fraction of a penny. Right, on its way down, um, it did kind of stall for a moment, and I think what happened was somebody went extremely short on Luna at that moment. And I remember it. I was going to a entrepreneur event, and uh, Justin, my brother, was actually going to meet me there. And so I sat down. I was waiting for him to show up. I was even trying to save him a chair. I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, Luna's like completely going into the pits. But for some reason, TacBoss just told me to go long. And so I'm like, well, whatever. Let's go long. And I put the phone down for like less than a minute. And then he comes in and I'm like, hey, how's it going? And we're just talking. I flip my phone over and I'm like, this has got to be wrong, right? Like, there's no way. I look down and it's up 11,000%. And and. <laughs> Granted, this is a risky bet. It's nothing I would ever recommend to somebody, but it wasn't like too much capital where I would cry if I lost it, right? So I looked at, I, I showed him the phone. I'm like, Justin, this is crazy. It's 11,000. What's going on? And then the minute I was saying that, it went up to 15,000, 18,000, 22. I'm like, okay, something's broken. I looked at him literally, something's broken because I just took a signal off of our trading signal 
and this doesn't make any sense. Uh, it, I think it capped out around 43,000%, right? And the, the moral of that story is that probably will never happen again to me, right? It, it probably, I probably can never again catch a 43,000% move, but by already having the muscle memory of how to trade, by already knowing that TACBOTS is a signal set that I'm using to get in, in and out of trades, I was willing and confident to take that bet, even though it was risky, I was confident to take the bet. And the most important part is knowing when to exit, right? Because I could have been like, oh, if it goes to 43,000, maybe it'll go all the way back to 100. Imagine I could be a millionaire overnight. That thought didn't even come into my head. I saw an exit signal got out, right? So having that discipline to say, look, you know, if you're going to make money, better make it in a sustainable way, not a lucky way. Because the, the minute you think you're lucky is the minute you lose all your money. Because you'll just, right. your emotions will get, get a hold of you. You'll put your whole life savings in it and you'll lose it in a flash. Um, so that, that was kind of a funny story that I like to tell because it wasn't like I was trying to trade Luna. It wasn't like I was trying to prove that I could make those kind of gains. It just so happened that I had the confidence at that moment to take that trade despite the fact that everything was signs pointing down, right? This thing is going to go to the toilet. Don't trade it long. And I just followed the signals and that's what, that was the end result. Which is interesting um, because uh, is, there's a couple of things you've talked about that have made me think about this point. And I have a little bit of a bone to pick with the, uh, <laughs> the technical uh, traders, if you will, because I try to have a broad um, economic type view of markets. Um, mm -hmm. So that means not only do I take technical analysis into account, but I take fundamental analysis into account. And mm -hmm. I'll even take, um, I've heard other traders mention it before too, is like, what what are the fanboys on Discord and Twitter saying too, right? Like, what's the what's the morale in the market? Um, you know, the timeless of if everyone's morale is really down, well, maybe I should be looking to long, and if everyone's yeah. morale is really high, I should probably be looking to go go against that. Um, but sometimes, if you were a technical person, you would miss out on a lot of these opportunities because you're not fundamentally or checking for morality in in the markets. What do you think about that? Do you think that there's a case to be made for that? Or do you think that, hey, technicals are technicals? Because I know there's plenty of technical people who are like, hey, if the technicals don't say that I can do this, I'm not doing it. Absolutely. And, and no, that's a really great point. So one thing I, I always kind of admit or I always introduce myself as is kind of a contrarian. Um, not because I want to be that jerk who never agrees with anybody. That's, that's not really my goal. It's just that I like to always question like whatever I've been given, if someone told me that the, the world is round, I'm not going to be a flat earther by nature just because I'm contrarian. I'm going to think about, okay, why do they say that? Like, is it proven? Is it just? Is it like, you know, what are the, can I get with that, right? Before I just blindly agree. And so that could happen with technical. Like people could tell you that technical is the only thing that matters. And then, like you said, the blinders go on. You end up fighting opportunities, not harnessing them because you just have no ability to consume an, another point of view. So the way I look at right. it is if you have the ability, the capacity to take multiple techniques, fundamental, technical, macro, micro, whatever it is, boil them into one, but still question within that sphere, right? Having that kind of diverse viewpoint, being able to question it allows you to one is improve what you already know, but two, it also doesn't allow you to get blindsided because you always know that nothing is a guarantee. Right. So that's why you don't put your full portfolio in. That's why you don't uh, disrespect your own risk management plan. That's why you you um, you do follow a plan is because in case you're wrong about everything, you're at least safe and able to trade the next trade or, or fight the next battle. 
Right. No, I like that. I, I think that's um, important, and that's. I think that's a score for me since um, I always <laughs> like to bring that point up to my technical uh, friends, and it, I have no problem with it. But I just like to you know show that hey, you're missing out on these opportunities where you mm-hmm. could make those exceptional trades or generational type investments, or not even that, but just yeah. being able to maybe save yourself from a potential bad entry because hey man, the morality is so strong. Uh, that was one of the things with Tesla. I remember when I was investing in Tesla years ago, um, people kept telling me like the RSI is cooked, uh, the, their, their earnings per share is excruciatingly high. Um, there's no reason why you should be buying Tesla right now. And I just say, well, I can tell you that I go on Twitter and I check Discord and they're not going to stop buying anytime soon. And... It, it, it stopped me from taking a short that probably would have buried me. Um, absolutely. So I think that's an important viewpoint to have. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think in anything like moderation, right? So no matter how good you get at something, if you don't know how to moderate it or even mediate it, right? So maybe you do go heavy on your, your process, but knowing what your limits are, knowing what the limits of your technique or skill set is, is also important, right? So it's, it's no different than everything else in life is too much of a good thing turns it bad. <laughs> so keep it healthy. Keep yeah. keep improving it over time, right? It's it's more of I, I would say that part of what you're saying, like one could say, okay, then you're just a maximalist or you're just like the to the moon, like a crypto bro or whatever. The way I look at it is, you know, luck favors the prepared, but it also favors the bold. And I'm not trying to quote Matt Damon, right? The little, <laughs> little, uh, little scammy commercial there. But what it what it really is, is like if you look at entrepreneurism, if you look at small business, anything you don't take a risk on, you're going to just get the same thing that everybody else gets, which is a steady paycheck that kind of keeps you on, on the middle of the road, right? Sometimes you have to step out and really believe in what you're doing, believe in what you, you're trying to accomplish, and know that every setback is just part of the journey, right? So the way I look at it is, yeah, if you believe that you're going to make a lot of money on a stock or a crypto or some business venture that you just invested in, you have to be willing to take the punches, right? You're going to get knocked down no matter what it is. Nothing is easy. Some people make money overnight, instant millionaire, but they're very far and few between. A lot of the people who truly um, build their wealth over time, they work hard at it and they know how to overcome obstacles. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, And I think that's um, universally applied to a lot of different uh, avenues, not just your finances, but that's Mm -hmm. a good... um, overall message of just you might end up being that guy that gets that once in a lifetime opportunity but even if you're not if you're the person that just keeps getting back up learning from your experiences compounding those learning experiences you're going to get to that yeah. same position uh, and oftentimes oh, yeah. you'll get there with more stable background absolutely so another thing um i wanted to touch on um was just your overall uh experience in finance, in uh, the markets, and looking at that and using that to kind of assess where we're at overall in the maturity Mm -hmm. of like a a market like crypto, right? Obviously, Bitcoin's been around for quite some time now, um, over a decade. But you look at Ethereum, which hasn't been around for a decade yet, a lot of smaller, uh, newer projects, Solana, Cardano, some of them are not even five years old in maturity. When you're trying to build a business, like if you were working for some of these crypto companies, what would you be concerned about? What would you be forecasting as, hey, these are things we need to watch out for? 
Yeah, I guess. Um, so there's two ways to look at it, right? There's one side, which is what's the utility of crypto or blockchain in the future? I think that is undisputedly, there's no way we're going to get away from that technology. It's kind of like the internet, right? So you're probably not old enough, but I definitely am to know that back in the days there was the Sears catalog. You could you know, flip through something that showed up to your home and just flip through a catalog, circle what you like, go to Sears, order it, and then hopefully they deliver it or they have it on the floor, right? Nowadays, you I, go I barely Am remember them. <laughs> I remember them existing. Yeah, so you go to, now you go on Amazon, right, which would not exist without, you know, a website, which would not exist without massive lines of fiber optic cables to send data to and fro given the amount of demand there is. But if you look at, like, the dot-com bust, how, you know, anybody who had dot-com in their name was trying to make a company. Everybody who had .com in their name was a stock that was meant to be bought. And the amount of fiber optic cables that were laid down planning for this growth, that just completely didn't happen the day that everybody wanted it to. Um, that didn't. That wasn't a fact of like, oh, this will never happen. It was a fact of people got a little too emotional. Um, they put too much of their hopes into it. It didn't play out the way they thought. But then you fast forward 10 years later, and it's exactly what they said it would be. It just took 10 years to do it, right? Amazon's dominating the, the retail sales arena. And I, I would say the same thing for crypto, where the efficiencies of blockchain, uh, the immutable ability to just look at something and say, is this valid, yes or no, right? It gets the bad rep of being a place where people can launder money. But what would they be laundering money with if it wasn't for crypto or anything else that's easily transacted, right? It'd be dollars in cash, right? Or, right? or physical commodities, or even sometimes in the worst case people, right? So it's like the behaviors that people use on something that has utility does not necessarily negate the utility of it. So the fact that, you know, you can- That's a great point. Yeah, like you can, you could sell your house or, you know, put a trust fund together and have your kid, you know, get a slow drip of funding without even needing to go to court or having lawyers or having people manage it for you using a smart contract. That type of utility is profound. And I think that projects that are built around that utility, yes, their price today may fluctuate because people are looking for that great pump where they could, you know, buy low and sell high. But if you think about one is if you need that token to participate in that activity, right, whether it's gaming or whether it's, um, you know, network security or whatever it is that you bought that token for, there is a utility. If you just wanted to hold it, you could still use it over time. Uh, number two is, yes, if the value does go up, you could definitely sell it, do a little bit of, you know, a flip, get some money, go buy something or change change your investment style. Um, there's that opportunity. But at the end of the day, um, like you said, Bitcoin's been around um, for a, for a lot, lot longer than all the other cryptos out there. Uh, I think it was just two days ago that Ethereum had its nine-year anniversary, right? To go past, I would say, two years in the crypto space is quite a quite a uh, accomplishment. It doesn't mean that you're risk-free, but it does mean that there's some utility beyond just speculative hype of like, oh, the price may go up. Um, so even Dogecoin, to a certain degree, proved that all the critics wrong, right? Oh, it's a meme coin. It'll never last, like, past this next pump. Hey, you can still go on uh, websites today and buy stuff with your Dogecoin. So that utility aspect of it means that even if it's a meme coin, even if it doesn't really represent anything but a, a joke, um, if there's value in it and people are willing to buy and sell it for a agreed price or a you know somewhat agreed price, um, that in itself is utility. That in itself is value. So why fight it? You know, you could you could give me a hundred reasons why you would never touch crypto with a ten foot pole, but I could give you 
hundreds of more reasons why you're not really thinking of it as a holistic, you know, ecosystem. Got yeah. So I think the, I've, well, myself too, when I was first getting into crypto, but I think a lot of people and what I hear now is like the distinction between um, blockchain, cryptocurrency technology, and then actual like currency, right? So um, a lot of people will refer to Bitcoin as a store of value, right? Um, but storing value is different from being a currency. So I guess as time goes on, is there going to have to be some sort of um, diverging where people decide, okay, I want to invest only with digital currencies or I'm going to invest in blockchain companies. Like, could you see a company like Solana trying to become publicly traded and become a security instead of being a, a, a cryptocurrency? Like, that's one thing I think about sometimes is like, how come some of these companies don't decide to become securities instead and do want to stay, quote unquote, cryptocurrencies, even though they're kind of acting yeah. as companies? This is just pure speculation on my part, so definitely don't don't say that this is what Chris said, and therefore this is how it is. But if you think about like what crypto um, and blockchain and blockchain technology stand for, right? It's usually about um, open, free, more about the community, less about I guess the the powers that be, whether it's a government or a group of wealthy individuals who make decisions for everybody else. Um, once you're on the stock exchange, right, you've got to answer to the shareholders and. There's very few stocks out there that are listed um, for exchange-traded shares uh, that are not controlled by a small group of people, right? So the fate of your company uh, being in the hands of the shareholder, it, it does kind of feel a little bit contradictory that you're this open market, you know, free to uh, free to try, um, pay to play type of ecosystem that's trying to disrupt the current financial norms, and then on top of that, you're also kind of held to the, the same pressures as the rest of all the other companies out there that basically have the, the shareholders come first, then the management team comes second, and then the customers come third, and then the employees come fourth, right? The, the beauty of crypto and, and what, it, what it stands for is you've got technologists, you have thinkers, you have business people, you have creators who come together and say, well, without hierarchies or um, you know, org, uh, org structures or board members, we can do and build great things. Um, so to me, it almost feels like it would be a sellout if something like Solana went public. However, on the other hand, um, you do have some companies that are crypto and uh, blockchain related that are on on um, NYSE or NASDAQ and they're doing pretty well. I mean, you've got mining companies, you have uh, crypto mm -hmm. exchanges, you have even MicroStrategy, right? You know, a, a technology company a that turned company. into a fund. Yeah. And the funny thing is, if you look at their price correlation, right? So Bitcoin just rallied about 50%. Uh, Coinbase, which is COIN, and uh, MicroStrategy, which is MSTR, they rallied 60 plus percent. So it's like, cool, like as the hype around the price and value of a crypto increases, right? We just got back over the 1 trillion mark in the crypto market cap. Um, so do these companies. So it's almost like, well, why miss out on that additional cash flow? to help build this this ecosystem, this infrastructure. If you're always reliant on just people buying and holding coins, you're gonna miss out on the fact that Wall Street is still interested in you, may give you a capital injection when you see good signs of future gains. 
Um, so to me, it's like a catch-22. I, I think it would be a little bit of a sellout for all crypto uh, companies to go list public and get traded and be held by shareholders. At the same time, why miss out on that source of capital? So I, I, I don't have an answer for you, but I would say that I don't think all of them would, but it would probably make sense for a few of them to do so. Well, it feels like um, they're all kind of holding the, uh, the, the wall, if you will, to mm-hmm. not um, go onto that side and, and let themselves be opened up to be considered securities and be regulated and go through all that process uh, yeah. for as long as possible. But we know how things go. As soon as one crypto coin or company decides to say, hey, we have this kind of digital currency, but we're going to act like a security and we're going to go ahead and just go right into the market and they go through that whole process and X, Y, and Z. Uh, I don't know. That could be a very interesting proposition because do a bunch of companies try to follow through with that? Um, Yeah, I I I can see kind of where you're leaning with that. And and that has to do with like regulation, right? Like, you know, why become a regulated government, um, regulated and managed uh, security where you can get tied up in court versus just kind of bypass the whole process? Um, I, I'm a little bit torn about that topic. Like I get the whole anti-establishment angle um, that most people have. I'm not saying that you do, but a lot of people have that. Like I'll just, I'll side with anything that's anti-government, right? And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm more progressive. Like I would like to see progress. I don't want to see the old ways of doing things slow down forward progress. That's number one. Uh, number two is I know that nothing is perfect, right? So yes, if you have something that's, um, I guess, controlled or regulated by the SEC, that's a huge hurdle to overcome. But at the same time, that's like having a society that has rules, right? I mean, some people disagree that, okay, cops have too much power, right? Maybe maybe one or two of them show that they had too much power. But as a society, if we didn't have the police force, if we didn't have the judicial system, like what would it, what would it look like, right? So mm-hmm. some level of control, um, some level of regulation, some level of, I guess order does make sense because it allows the people who are playing fairly to play in an environment that they feel safe versus letting the people who know how to take advantage of the system hurt everybody else. So it's, it's that catch-22 of you don't, want, you don't want government oversight. You don't want like heavy-handed regulation, but you do want a kind of a, a level of fair play, right? And you can't have that without rules. Um, so if there's a magic way that crypto and blockchain can build a self-governing system that does not require humans and um, people with hidden agendas to run it, then that would be fantastic. Until then, like the way that it's always worked in the past is some level of regulation and, and enforcement of that regulation is what allows people to stop worrying about the dangers and just focus on the prize, which is how do I make my pile more uh, valuable, right? Yeah, well, I think what makes crypto interesting, and I think it gets more and more interesting by the day here, considering our macroeconomic per- perspective that's going on, is right now you have people that are actually maybe have a 10, 20, 30 percent raise in their job from what they were making two to three years ago. However, mm-hmm. the average American has less savings in their bank account than they did pre-pandemic. Yeah. Okay, so you're now making 10 to 20, 30 percent more, which was your mm-hmm. goal three years ago. But you have yep. less to show for it. You can afford less things. And you look around, you say, well, how, how is the government or whatever these governing bodies are actually having my best interest when I look around and there's less to go around, even though I'm technically making more. Um, yeah. And I think that's what makes the thought of, OK, well, with with Bitcoin, we can't 
the, these possible issues could be eliminated with, you know, if I have, if I only do business in Ethereum or whatever it is, maybe there's a different control. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that that's solution, but I, I can see how it's getting more and more. And I think that's going to start factoring into prices as we see pretty soon where you're starting to see Bitcoin and Ethereum take off and make more money than a lot of top growth stocks are or even just the S&P as a whole is as we're kind of going through this bear market cycle. Yeah, absolutely. So I, th- I think I might have mentioned to you in the past, like offline before, but you know what I'm really waiting for uh, to kind of go along with what you're saying is I, I do want to see something like that happen where uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum and other cryptos, their value is not tied to how much money is being pumped into the financial market itself. Uh, that their value is based on something more tangible, like, okay, if it costs one Bitcoin to buy an entire house, right? And from this day till the next day till the next day till the next day, it has its own appreciation schedule that has nothing to do with the fiat currencies that it's pegged against, right? Um, That to me would be a fantastic deviation. However, the problem I see is that people still try to equate, okay, if, I, if you gave me that Bitcoin, how much US dollar can I get from that? Okay, then, then give me this much Bitcoin so I can give you the house or I can give you this pizza or whatever it is that you're buying with it, right? So that kind of decoupling, I would say, is what needs to happen before I can 100% get on board with what you're saying. But I, I do want to see that happen. It's just until that happens, I'm like, a lot of it is um, people are just fighting for margins. Like, how do I put money in here, sell it. And they're not really thinking of it from a, I can't for that day, I can't wait for that day where my stack of Bitcoins helps me to buy everything I want, regardless of how inflated the US dollar or the Euro or anything or the Japanese yen have become. Because now I've actually been able to not just store value, but store um, the ability to not have to work harder just to maintain my, my lifestyle, right? Or not to have to get a promotion just to be able to pay my credit card bill down. Like that, that's like an endless rat race, right? We, we want to have the opportunity to have something of value that by its own nature, it generates value on its own. Therefore, it's like an investment, which means when we do sell it, um, it did a lot better, like you said, than stocks or other type of investments. Um, I, I would like to see that happen. I think what could happen to get us there is if the US dollar hyperinflates, right, to the point where we're paying like a million dollars for a loaf of bread, Absolutely, Bitcoin's going to be worth way more than a million dollars. But that's also a, a future that I don't want to see where wealth is completely destroyed, where it, it costs that much to buy a loaf of bread. I would rather see something a little bit more healthy, where people start to see the value of crypto outside of how it pegs against fiat and start to treat it that way, too. Yeah, no, I think that's an interesting perspective. And I like the um, the kind of analogy there of the, the hyperinflation and you know, maybe that being a worst case scenario, but yeah. for what you were saying of just like, hey, just purely adoption based on what it is. I mean, I think there are mm-hmm. some areas of the world where that's already happening. Uh, you know, places where Bitcoin's already considered legal tender, that's technically yeah. already going on, right? Um, I could just say, hey, whatever, five thousand satoshis, and you can have you know this banana or whatever it is. Um, right. And I, so could it get? Could it become more and more widespread? Is this the earliest part of that curve of adoption? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, the interesting thing is I feel like ma- like the macro cycle is faster and faster every single day. Um, very, like the thought of like, you know, people competing against the dollar to buy oil and other things with, or countries, I should say, 
mm-hmm. that thought like five years ago seemed like a like a broadcasting a hundred years out to me like oh i'll probably never see that in my lifetime and now it feels like that could happen in five years if things continue on to be the status quo yeah yeah i think definitely there's there's a lot of unhealthy um aspects of the current i would say global economy as well as the current local uh u.s economy there's there's things that like really cause you to raise your eyebrow along the lines of what you're saying, like wage inflation, not really helping to actually create a better, um, uh, I guess, lifestyle. Um, it feels like it, it may be unfair to, to use crypto, though, as the arrow that pops the the corruption and the greed and, and the brokenness of the current financial system. I think I feel like crypto would be it's an it's its own it's its own thing. It's it's, a, it's an alternative to the traditional standards. Um, it by itself generates a lot of innovations, right? A lot of improvements in society, um, regardless of the bad reputations that it's getting with like FTX collapsing, Three Arrows Capital, Celsius, Gemma, you name it, right? There's all this like <laughs> drama going on. But yeah. that's not why crypto was created, is to create those types of environments. Crypto was created for other purposes. Read the white papers, look at what people are actually using it for, and you'll see that there is something of value happening around it. And if it by itself could, like you said, be kind of more like the North Star. Like if we could just come up with a clean financial system that's not subject to policies of governments and Paul and like, um, you know, people hoarding and then draining supply when demand is high just to cause prices to go up. If we can get away from some of those norms and show that there's an alternative, like, okay, great. Yeah, if you bought that house in US dollars, you're paying double what you would last year. But guess what? You could still buy it for one Bitcoin today, no matter what. So if you bought that Bitcoin five years ago, just give that one Bitcoin up this year, next year, the year after, you could still get that house. I think that itself would um, give people kind of like an alternative to this, the status quo, which right now is very, I mean, ask ask anybody like if they feel like in the next 10 years they're going to be ready to retire early. I don't think there's that many people who would say yes. Yeah, and um, I, I happen to agree with that statement. And that's Part of why I wanted to start the Rocket Cast in the first place is I feel like we are in a an opportunity zone, if you will, of where uh, the people who are prepared and being prepared for me means you need to be you know mentally in a good place, physically in a good place, and financially in a good place. So exercising, taking care of yourself, having good relationships around you, um, yeah. those things are really important. And then when you have created that, that, uh, opportunity for yourself, the ability to make an investment into something, uh, in the crypto space, it just gives you the opportunity to see where it goes, uh, and to be at the forefront because a lot of these things are possibilities. Uh, and they're not just possibilities. There's, there's strong likelihoods in a lot of scenarios, especially where you see what's happened where once people figure out the game is broken in some capacity, they're like, well, the game's been broken and it's been broken against me. Yeah. Um, and so like, that's what happened with GameStop and that's what happened with AMC. Uh, we've seen it happen with different pumps on different coins with Doge. People were like, all right, this is our chance to get rich. Um, yep. And now I think that mindset is, is a little dull and misplaced, but the thought process is correct in that the, obviously the power of, of, you know, many is better than the power of one. Um, right. So, if you are already believing in using, utilizing Bitcoin, Ethereum, smart contracts, uh, and then people start to figure out more and more and more, okay, this system is inevitably going to be keep 
rinse and repeating the same cycles over and over, creating more and more destruction, more and more uh, unsustained wealth. And then everyone starts using Bitcoin and Ethereum. Well, guess what? You're better positioned. You have the opportunity of a lifetime. Um, and it could definitely rebalance wealth distribution across the world, across this country, ultimately giving people more sovereignty in their own lives to, to you know, like you were saying, be able to live and know that, hey, you know, if I'm getting a, a, a increase in my pay, it's actually meaning something. Uh, and they're not subject right. to uh, essentially things that are completely outside of their control. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's a fair assessment. And I think the, the hardest thing for most people to get their mind around when they're trying to think about do I want to get into crypto or not is uh, it, it almost feels like it, it's not that they're trying to put all their life savings into it, but even if they put like, let's say a quarter or a 10% or 5% of their life savings into crypto, right? The fear is I'm going to lose all that value overnight, or the hope is I want it to like become a million dollars overnight, right? I feel like the, that misplaced mindset or, or perspective is probably what causes people not to do it um, because they, they don't want to buy into the hype or they just don't want to get like hurt, right? But like anything you do that is good for your long-term you know, well-being or future, you kind of have to start in moderation, but you also need to get a lot of good advice from people who've been there, right? Don't ask the people who got rich overnight. Don't ask the people who lost all their money overnight. Ask the people who are still in it and try to, try to learn from them. Just ask them, so why, like all the whys, like why do, why do you think it's going to be you know, the way of the future? Why do you think that everybody should adopt it? Like ask those questions and just be curious. And then over time, just by simply being exposed to it, you're going to get curious enough to want to experiment and start to like, you know, add a little bit to your portfolio. And now that you have it sitting on your, you know, your overall, like what you're invested in, you're going to want to know a little bit something about it. So you'll stay a little bit more in tune. And I think that would probably be the best way for people to get into something that they're not familiar with is don't go it alone. Don't like over hope or over fear what you're doing. Just get in, start to show an interest, ask a lot of questions, get into a community if you have to, to like to really, you know, feel like you're safe. Uh, but then don't like, don't like get stuck where you're at, right? Don't just like be that person who walks into a gym every day and just gets on the bicep curl machine and just does that every day for the rest of their life, right? There's so much more um, to working out that, than just like, you know, powering through one, one set of exercises. Um, so that, that would be my, my main thing is like anything, like you said, holistically, if you're prepared mentally, physically, and financially, um, nothing is scary. Everything is an opportunity, right? Every setback is a, a chance for you to learn something new and, and do something with it. Awesome. I really like that. And um, so uh, kind of bringing it all together now, um, mm -hmm. if this, this rocket cast was kind of uh, a hard sell for me and I'm like, all right, I... I think I want to at least learn more about how people are trading markets, how volatility yeah. is created in crypto, um, and how how the whole market's working. And I decide, you know, I want to test out TAC bots. How, how is the best way for me to go about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the best way is probably to go to the website. So it's TACBOTS, T-A-C-B-O-T-Z, uh, so TACBOTS.com. Um, go on there, go to, just check, check out the site. Uh, when, if you decide that this is for you and you want to give it a shot, just um, sign up for the product. It's $19 a month. We'll give you a discount. I'm trying to negotiate what the discount is, but I'm thinking it's at least 10%, if not better. Um, if you type in the code, uh, the coupon code RUDA, R-U-D-A. Um, what that does is that gives you access to the indicator. Uh, we'll, you, and then you can join our Discord and we'll actually walk you through setting it up, 
reading the charts, going through a couple of examples. Um, it sounds like our, our guy PJ is going to be doing uh, our sessions every day. So there's always going to be someone there ready to just show you what they're doing so you can ask questions. And honestly, it's a, it's a community that is very friendly. No one's there to like boast about how much they're making or, or make people feel bad for not knowing how to do something as well. It's really just you know shared learning. A lot of times through the conversations we see in that Discord, we create improvements and then we give it back to the community. So that's, that's really what we're looking for is like, it's, it's kind of more of a homegrown indicator for the masses. Awesome. Yeah, um, I would highly endorse uh, TacBots, not just because Chris is a friend of mine, uh, but because the product has obviously uh, helped me look at things in a different perspective. And it's helped me see a lot of uh, things that I was doing right and be like, okay, this is great. And it's helped me see a lot of things that I was probably looking at the wrong way and to have a new, fresh perspective on it. And any tool that you can do that with, uh, I think a lot of those tools usually cost upwards of five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars $800. Uh, and to have a tool that, you know, for, you know, $20 a month can give you some sort of perspective like that. Plus, get into a community of people who are always um, sharing what they're doing and testing different strategies is helpful. And that's one of the best things about not only TacBots, but Discord in general, is there's so many different communities where you can hop in you know, you definitely need to, to weed them out a little bit because there can be a few that are a bit much. But you yeah. find the right ones where there are people who are genuinely making money uh, and they're honest about when they also aren't making money and they're happy to, you know, help you learn from their mistakes and learn from yours as well because that's what's really important uh, rather than just some of these, you know, different Discord or Telegram groups where it's, hey, this new coin's coming out, everyone gets in, and you don't hear from everybody. So it's a good... Yeah good twist of of giving that um more so community feel and knowing that hey there's there's the strength and numbers of uh the more you know and the more different strategies you've seen the better your chances are of, of having some success doing this great yeah thanks thanks a lot nick um we're, we're happy that you adopted the usage of it and i mean you're an awesome trader yourself so i don't think you really need it but the fact that you found value means a lot to us too absolutely yeah and um I appreciate you stepping on today, Chris. Uh, it's been a yep. great chat. We'll absolutely have to have you on once we get more into uh, hopefully a bull rally in the coming months and <laughs> uh, about how we can have more fun trading in those times. Um, and, yeah, I, I thank you again. All right. Thanks so much, Nick.